Welcome to Intuitive Bites Podcast. I'm your host, Kirsten Ackerman, the Intuitive RD. I'm a non-diet registered dietitian and intuitive eating coach. My mission is to help women recover from diet culture and heal their relationship to food and body. Follow along as I speak with leading professionals in the field and explore concepts of intuitive eating, health at every size, and body liberation. Hey guys, welcome to episode 52 of Intuitive Bites. For the show today, I'm chatting with Isabel Fox and Duke, and we're talking about the diet binge cycle, which is something Isabel talks a lot about in her work and just her programs, her blog, everything that she puts out there. Um, and it's an amazing conversation. It did not disappoint. Uh, Isabel is someone that I've been meaning to try and get on the podcast for a long time now. Um, so I'm super excited that I'm finally putting this episode out. Um, and I think it's going to be an awesome time for you guys to be hearing it. So some other things we talk about are just dieting as a state of mind, right? Like not necessarily like going on a diet, but just like what is that mindset that you might have that really is dieting even though you're not on a diet? Uh, We also talk about, you know, why the way that we approach supporting physical health is super important, right? Because again, if we're doing it through some kind of diet mentality or restrictive mindset, um, it can really end up backfiring and sabotaging our efforts. Um, We talk about, of course, why um, separating weight from health is super important, number one. We also talk a little bit about like why people end up feeling kind of stuck in their recovery at some point um, and why, you know, some of that's just kind of part of the process and we have to like kind of wade through that phase. Um, but yeah, definitely lots of good stuff packed into this episode. I'm really excited to share it with you guys. Before I go ahead into that conversation, just wanted to let you guys know that I have a body image and intuitive eating webinar on January 6th. So right after the new year, um, it's from 7 to 8.30 p.m. Eastern time. And I'm going to also offer a recording. So if you're on a different time zone or just can't make that time, you can register for the webinar and I'll send you the recording afterwards. Um, But obviously, we're going to talk a lot about body image and intuitive eating and just kind of provide some tools um, and framework for navigating that, especially um, right after the new year when it can be a really difficult time because lots of people are, you know, going on a diet or, you know, some kind of quote unquote lifestyle change um, kind of in the pursuit of some kind of weight loss. So if you want to get registered for that, I'm offering a discount of $5 if you register by Christmas. So a few days left um, for that discount, and then it's going to go up to $30. Um, you can just go to my Instagram and click on the link in my bio to register, or you can go to my website, which is theintuitive-rd.com, and the main page there will give you um, a little form that you can register from there as well. Um, And then finally, I also wanted to mention, uh, I'm taking on some new clients right now. So I do one-on-one intuitive eating coaching, um, really helping people in their journey to making peace with food and pursuing health in a way that you know, is non-restrictive and really is going to be supportive to them. Um, so if that's something that you're interested in right now and feel like it could help you on your journey, um, you can 
send me an email at theintuitiverd at gmail.com, theintuitiverd at gmail.com. Um, you can also go to my website. Again, it's theintuitive-rd.com and you'll find a link for working with me. Just send me the form and I'll reach out to you and we can talk about setting up a discovery call. So just like a 15 minute call where we chat and see if it seems like we're a good fit for working together. All right, guys, that is all I have for you right now. So I'm going to go ahead and send you on to my conversation with Isabel. All right, Isabel, we are good to go. Super excited to have you here. Thanks for coming on. Hi, thanks so much for having me. I'm (laughs) thrilled to be here. Awesome, of course. So what I would love to talk about uh, with you today is something that I haven't talked about like specifically on the podcast before, although we've kind of alluded to it a ton. Um, It's hard to avoid, but it's also something that like I kind of thought of when I thought of speaking with you because I feel like, I don't know, it felt, it felt like it jived with like your message and like your branding. So this, this topic is basically the diet binge cycle. Um, Yeah. I'm just going to, this is my area of expertise. (laughs) As you probably know, this is like, this is what, this is my, yeah, this is totally my zone of, I don't want to say my zone of genius. That sounds weird, but like, this is definitely my area of expertise, my personal and professional area of expertise. Yeah. So obviously what you're putting out there, like I'm, I'm picking up on it. So that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, There we go. (laughs) So can you just kind of throw it like just, I'm throwing it very plain and simple out to you. Like explain to people who don't really know what we mean when we say the diet binge cycle, like what does that mean? Totally. So the diet binge cycle is basically, I mean, in my mind, I'm like, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's a period of restriction, a period of trying to control yourself around food. Um, when I use the di- the word diet, that doesn't necessarily mean Weight Watchers or Atkins, right? It just basically means like a period of time where you're actively trying to control your food. You're trying to be good in quotes. You're trying to, you know, not do certain things that you don't think are okay with food. There's some element of control happening with food, right? Mm-hmm. Um, usually for the purpose of weight suppression, but it doesn't necessarily have to be, but usually for the purpose of weight suppression or, or weight control in some case, it could even be weight maintenance in some, in some instances. Um, you know, and that followed by a period of feeling really out of control, right? So, you know, I think in my mind is sort of a period of feeling in control of food, right? Or a period where you're kind of actively, there's a sense of action, a sense of I'm actively doing this. I'm controlling it. I've got my food under control. That feeling like I've got this followed by a period of feeling really out of control. Like the force compels me. I don't know what's going on. I'm like rummaging through the cabinets, like licking peanut butter out of the jar. <laughs> like, you know, like they're in you know, and, and, and it's almost like happening without my conscious consent, you know, like it's, it's almost like it, there's a feeling of out of controlness, right. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that, that it's kind of immediately, there's usually usually like a moment or a series of moments or sometimes like I used to feel like sometimes like, Oh, I'm slipping, I'm losing it. I'm losing it. And then, and then boom, right. It would just be (laughs) binge town, you know? Right. Um, It's so fascinating because like that second part, like the the kind of quote unquote binging part or whatever you want to classify it as like that out of control, like is what makes people feel like, Oh my God, like I'm a food addict or, Oh my God, I can't trust myself around food or I'm just crazy. I need to control. Like that's so ironic. (laughs) Which is exactly, which is why the diet binge cycle usually is progressive. It gets worse and worse and worse as time goes on for, for most people, right. Who are really engaging in it because people think that the answer to the binging is to try to control harder. 
right? Like it's like when you feel out of control around food, when you're like, oh my gosh, oh God, there's something wrong with me. I really got to like hammer this home. Usually people respond to periods of binging by getting, you know, even more controlling around their food and, and sort of like, you know, with more resolve and no, I've got to cut out this thing and no, this is the part, right? There's, there's this element of, um, responding to the out of controlness with extra control. And what that ends up leading to is of course, feeling more out of control once the cycle repeats itself. Right. So it's like, you're, you think you're ending the cycle. You think you're, you're, you're fixing the out of controlness by, by trying to control more, but actually you're just kind of like winding up the doll, right? Like it's a cycle. You're actually just like loading the gun from the begin of beginning of the cycle. The harder you control, the more out of control you're going to feel when the shoe drops, right? You know, so I sometimes give the example of like a bow and arrow. Like if I pull a bow, if I'm pulling back a bow and a bow and arrow, you know, the farther I pull the bow back, the farther it's going to fly in the other direction the second I slip or let go, right? And so um, typically there's a, there's sort of, I mean, I sometimes I call it um, like binge eating, like diet binge cycling physics, right? It's like the more intensely I control for most people over time, there's eventually going to be a binge in proportion to, and, and that also can get complicated, right? Because some people I think binging can, it doesn't necessarily even need to look like a single episode, right? It, it could also just be like yo-yo dieting, right? Like feeling really in control and then feeling out of control for periods of days or weeks or months. Well, um, no one might not classify it as like, they might not identify with that word binge, but they feel exactly. like out of controlness or overeating or whatever. Right. It's the like on and off the wagon syndrome. Right. And, um, you know, like a big thing that I talk about in my version of intuitive eating, which is a little <laughs> bit different than other folks. I have my own spin on things, but it's sort of this idea. It sort of starts with this idea of you can't fall off a wagon that you're not on right? If you're on a wagon, right? Like if you're like, I'm being good, I'm doing something right. I got this, right? It's that sort of sense that usually is going to end up, you're, the, the, the coin is going to flip to the other side at some point, right? And so, you know, I always say you can't beat the diet binge cycle. You just have to literally remove yourself from the cycle entirely, which means also letting go of the controlling piece and learning to eat just more in sync with your natural biological instincts and, and, which is super challenging for folks because a lot of dieters, it's like they don't even remember what it was like to not be controlling their food, right? I mean, I was put on my first diet when I was three years old. Like I had no conscious memory of not trying to control my food. Like controlling food was just, you know, the baseline of life. Um, It didn't, like the concept of not controlling my food just meant binging because those were the only, that was the only frame of reference that I had, either control or binging, control or out of control. Like there was no framework for me of just, you know, natural, like what I would consider like natural biologically instinctive eating. Um, And so, you know, that's sort of what I teach. And that's both a physiological and emotional transition that I think, you know, there's a lot of that is, you know, the core concepts of intuitive eating are really helpful with. But I think, you know, we can get stuck in a lot of these patterns, even within the constructs of, you know, traditional intuitive eating, which I'm sure you know about me, (laughs) which is why I teach this, this sort of these kind of mindset, sort of the emotional component of it and the, the attitude and the belief systems and the, and the the thought patterns that are kind of creating these cycles, right? It's not just as simple as, oh, now I eat when I'm hungry and stop when I'm full, right? There's, there's something deeper going on that, that really is driving this cycle. 
Yeah, can, I guess, can you speak a little bit more to that? Because I feel like that's something that people haven't heard about here. Yeah, so um, it kind of goes back to this concept that, you know, I kind of started with, which is, you know, dieting isn't just eight Atkins or Weight Watchers, right? Like right. dieting is, in my mind, it's kind of like a state of mind. It's almost like an orientation towards food. It's a way that I operate around food, right? And, you know, some things that we often put in the category of this is the way I operate around food is like thinking of foods as good or bad, thinking about foods as thinking about amounts of food as good or bad, right? Um, thinking of food as something to succeed or fail at, right? Like it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an attitude, right? Dieting is a state of mind. There's, I actually wrote a blog post many, many years ago called dieting is not an action. It's a state of mind. Obviously it can have action components, yeah. um, but it really, that. right. But it really starts with a state of mind. It really starts with an orientation towards food. And, and, and I would say another defining factor of what I call which is, you know, diet mentality, right? That's another way of, of describing what we're talking about. The state of mind of dieting, the orientation towards food of dieting, which in my opinion is the real fuel behind the diet binge cycle, right? It's not just being on Atkins or Weight Watchers. It's the, it's the diet mentality, right? If you have the diet mentality, even if you're pursuing intuitive eating, you're going to struggle, right? You're going to, if you're on, if you're mentally on a wagon, even if it's the hunger and fullness diet or the intuitive eating wagon or whatever, <laughs> you're going to fall off of it and it's going to be ugly. Right. Right. Um, like if you're in that mentality. You can just put intuitive eating into that framework and it's just as problematic. A hundred percent. And a lot of people do. And, and I think I started doing this work about 10 years ago. And at that time, most of the intuitive eating narratives were diet mentality narratives. It yeah. was, and, and I, and I, and I'll also mention a big defining factor of this is looking at foods as a thing, as a way to control my weight, right? I mean, I think that that's also looking at food rather than something that like nourishes and fuels me and is like fundamentally safe and good for me um, is like something that is, you know, going to make me gain weight and make me unlovable, right? And like it's very fear-based relationship with food, like all of that also I think falls into the purview of diet mentality or dieting as a state of mind. Yeah. And um so, uh, yeah, so I would say, you know, there's, there's the control aspects of it are sort of the key, but, but really that fuel is run by fear of food and anxiety around, you know, food and, and, and this, this feeling like, oh, I need to lose weight or I need to control my weight in order to feel safe and good and, and, and successful and happy and, you know, all of these sort of emotional reasons why we're very attached to our food and our body looking a certain way. And that's where, again, you go sort of deeper into the layers of the real emotional roots of the diet binge cycle, right? Yeah, because like the behaviors around food and the, the controlling and the restricting and whatever, like, are, like you're saying, like they're rooted in this deeper layer. So if you just try and kind of fix the, the behaviors and like even your hungry stuff and your full like stop controlling, like you're still going to have all these anxieties underneath. So yeah. Exactly. That. Exactly. Exactly. You got to get to the root stuff. Like you got to get to the root of the anxiety, the fear of food, the feeling like my weight is the thing that dictates whether or not, you know, I'm going to be a happy person in life. Yeah. Right. This, you know, all again, body image is huge. Although again, it doesn't have to be weight suppression that can set this off. I think health fears are also becoming a thing that can set off the cycle, but Typically, for the most part, 95% of my clients, body image is a major factor, even if they're even not even super consciously like aware of it. Um, totally. uh, so yeah, so it's I like we got to uncover that. 
Yeah, this diet mentality conversation is so important because this is something that resonates deeply with me because, you know, I was studying to be a dietitian and, you know, even, you know, got my master's in nutrition before I ever heard about intuitive eating or anything different. Um, Mm -hmm. And I never would have identified with dieting. I always had the mentality of like, um, or the mindset, whatever, of like diets don't work, like diets are bad, like you really shouldn't do that. But yet I was dieting for years and years and years. But when I say that, I mean like hmm. under that diet mentality. So like I feel like right. people need to like this is an important message to get out there that people like like, right. I feel like most people aren't at least right in my category, right? Like in my generation yep. or whatever, are not it's true. going on the diets, right? They're right they're in this diet mentality. Right. Most people don't dieting or diet is a four letter word in you know, the wellness culture, right? Like people don't like to say that they're dieting. People don't want to be on a diet. Dieting is not trendy, right? Like what's trendy is ditch the diet, lose weight fast, this other non-diet way, which makes zero (laughs) sense, right? Like it's, it's just, it's, they're calling it a different thing for press purposes, like for PR. It's like, diets don't work, but like just cut out X, Y, Z. And like, it's a lifestyle change, right? Like these, these are the kinds of messages that have come up, I would say in the past 20 years. I mean, I remember, I mean, I'm in my thirties. I would start, I mean, I remember actively dieting in the nineties, like, cause I was a young kid when I started. Um, but in the nineties, I remember even starting to feel those, that was still in the land of, you know, low fat, this and low, you know, low cal this and blah, blah, blah. But I remember it still feeling a little embarrassing or shameful to be dieting. There was like a shame associated with diet. Like we don't want to be dieting. Like that's vain or something. But if I call it, I'm just trying to be healthy, right? Then that is somehow is like, cool. I don't know. Or like, that's okay. Or there's like a different, there's a different feeling about it where you get to diet, but you feel warm and fuzzy about it, or you feel like morally (laughs) righteous in your decisions to do it, right? Like, no, 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 like this is for health, right? And so again, I'm, and and you probably know this from listening to my stuff. I think that, you know, health is physical health, right? Is certainly a value of mine, but how we approach it and the mentality with which we approach it um, is, is very important because that can get really mentally unhealthful and physically unhealthful really fast. If it's, if it's kind of, you know, been convoluted or distorted by these, you know, fat is bad, thin is good kind of body image related. Your worth is dependent on what you eat and what you look at like that day kind of messaging. Yeah. Yeah. So this kind of leads me to ask you this question, which is, you know, for the person listening, which I'm sure there are going to be many who are like, I want, you know, health is a value of mine too. Physical health is a value of mine, whatever. Like, how can I make choices that are aligned with my health that don't send me into this diet binge cycle or whatever? Yeah. So that I would say, that's a huge part of what I talk about in my programs. Um, I have like a five point bullet. I have like a, I could do like a full webinar just on this topic, right? Like I could do like many bullets, but I'll go over a couple, like a few key things that I think are really important. And number one is just emotionally and mentally really being honest with myself and getting clear about what my intentions are, right? Like, am I trying to secretly manage my weight? Do I have a subtle or like maybe even subconscious motivation towards weight loss? Am I trying to control my body? Is my pursuit of thinness interfering with my pursuit of health, right? Like, are, am I subtly confusing those things? And, and, you know, really being, trying to get honest with myself and clear with myself about being able to separate those two things out. And, 
and pursue health like- in truly weight neutral ways, which is hard to do, right? Especially if you have a history of you know, dieting and body image issues and fat phobia and things like that. This is not easy stuff, but that really is the most important core foundational thing in being able to pursue health in a mentally healthful way is being able to separate health from weight, right? Like I eat a lot of super healthful foods. None of that is for weight related purposes. My weight's been consistent and stable forever. I'm significantly heavier now than I was when I was, you know, in the depths of my dieting despair and my eating disorder history and all of that. Right. And so but I just, you know, feel good when I'm balancing my blood sugar, for instance, and making sure that I eat like regular meals and fueling myself. So, um, you know, separating health and weight is sort of number one. And really, again, that requires a lot of rigorous self-honesty. And it also requires some level of emotional readiness, right? I think there's a reason why they talk about gentle nutrition at the end of the book of intuitive yeah. eating is because for some folks, that's just not a realistic um, goal early in their recovery, right? Like it might be something to work up to is being able to get to a place where emotionally I can, you know, think about gentle nutrition without confusing, getting confused about, oh my gosh, is this going to affect my weight? And, you know, is this a weight loss thing or, oh, I'm getting thinner. Oh, I like that. Or, you know, whatever, right? Like whatever the weird weight lossy messages. So that's number one. Um, number two is also, you know, I'll say there are physical things that people can do, right? I think that, you know, in our wellness culture, we really, um, have a heavy emphasis on health as being about subtracting stuff, right? So health is about don't eat this and don't eat that. And right. It's all about cutting out gluten and cutting out dairy and cutting out shit and all of these things. Right. And, and by and large cutting out is this, this obsession with our health being defined by what we don't eat rather than what we do eat is very new, culturally very new up until diet culture came along. Like I would say like 1920s at the earliest, but really we see more of this happening in like the 1960s. You didn't see a lot nutrition when you were talking about like nutrition science, people would be like, make sure to eat this at, get your veggies, an apple a day. Right. And it's all about adding in stuff that is nourishing and fueling, not about taking stuff out. Very rarely was it about taking stuff out historically, unless there was like a true medical allergy or like some like serious reason why you couldn't have something. Um, and so for me, like, uh, if you're playing around with like adding in gentle nutrition, you feel like you're at a point where emotionally and mentally, that's something that you can handle in your recovery. Like start with adding in, right. Don't even bother. Like, like, like don't start with trying to take stuff out, you know? And for me, like taking stuff out really should be something that is, that is considered very carefully and really only considered in the context of like, this is truly medically necessary. Like as a person with an eating disorder history to this day, that is my perspective. And I've been in solid recovery for over 10 years. So yeah, like I I think about, you know, things, and this applies not just with um, allergy stuff, but like, you know, like with blood sugar, for instance, I mean, I have a lot of clients who are dealing with blood sugar issues, diabetes, PCOS, those kinds of things. Um, and even in those cases, a lot of times the first thing, you know, the, 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 the most realistic, practical, safest thing that you can do is not necessarily focus on taking out, you know, carbs and sugar, but adding in things like fiber and protein and fat and things that help us balance 
the carbs and sugar that we are eating, right? So it's, again, it's a focus on putting in for health rather than taking out. So that's just actually one example. I think that there's, there's more, again, I could do a whole webinar on this topic, but there, and I, and I talk about it extensively in my program. Um, but these are just some of the things to think about. They're sort of emotional things to consider when you want to start having the health conversation, um, in your like diet recovery. And then there's also physical things to consider, right? I think like another good example would be, you know, somebody takes out gluten, quote unquote, for health reasons, maybe because they actually have a legitimate allergy, but then they make the mistake of not getting enough carbs. And they make the mistake of like going out for lunch and saying like, oh yeah, I'll get the burger with no bun and a side salad because, you know, gluten doesn't feel good for me, but then they're carb starving, right? And then they end up, you know, kind of having a lot of the same physical reactions that they had when they were diet and cycling for weight loss. So those are just some examples. Um, Yeah. Like, yeah. mm -hmm. And I think, you know, just thinking about your, uh, what you were talking about with um, diabetes, PCOS, and some of those um, conditions, like, I feel like the, I mean, not even, I feel like I know like the, the dominant narrative is those like, well, you better cut this out and avoid this and you can't have sugar anymore or whatever. Um, Right. Which in many cases, especially with PCOS, but in general, like worsens the whole thing. And even with diabetes, right? Like if somebody with diabetes is like, oh, I'm going to like stop having carbs, like what? Like that's going to make everything worse, including your blood sugar and make you, and probably drive you into the diet binge cycle, which clearly isn't going to be good for your blood sugar. So like, um, exactly. Not even to mention, like, there are so many things to manage both of those conditions that have nothing to do with even food, like, you know, movement, medication, right? So, um, stress, not yes. being stigmatized for your weight. Yeah. Things like yes. that. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. yeah. So like this is part of the problem is of course the culture we live in and you know, uh, the medical industry and everything like that is not, you know, promoting these messages either. They're not, they're not supporting people to think about like, what can I add in whatever? Um, no. What can I add in? What can I do to reduce my stress? Like how can I take care of the body that I realistically have rather than try to like shove my square peg of a body into a round hole, which is the current, um, you know, way of thinking about health and is quite lazy actually. Right. I don't think doctors are bad people. I think that they're dealing with a lot of like institutional reasons why, you know, related to insurance and quite frankly, like toxic capitalism and like all sorts of other things that are harming patients. Um, but also it's just like, you know, doctors are so pressed for time, right? It's like weight just becomes this like catch all instead of actually talking to you about your health behaviors. Right. It's like, Oh, we've got 10 minutes. Let me just check, 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 check. Right. And again, that's not their fault. Of like talking to you about your weight because insurance says I have to. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I, I want to shift slightly back to like talking about diet binge cycle. Like for somebody who's there or like trying to make steps to recover from that, like what would you say about, and I, I get this is a totally vague, crazy question, but like, what would you say about like, how long does it take to like start feeling better around food? Oof, that is an interesting question. It sort of depends on like what your starting point is, right? So, um, and also what your definition of feeling better is, <laughs> right? Because there's a fifth, there's in my brain also when it comes to food issues, it's like there's always the physical component and the emotional component. I think that's one of the reasons why I, I like working with disordered eating and it's interesting to me is that there's always there's physiological things going on and then there's also mental and emotional things going on. Yeah. So in terms of physiological stuff, um, most people will kind of like weight restore and energy rebalance and kind of 
like the physiological stuff is usually healed within anywhere from six months to three years, right? Depending on like how aggressive and how intense you were restricting and like how much your body is, is in recovery. I mean, there's a physiological recovery process to diet, to, to dieting, let alone diet binge cycling, right? So just period dieting of any kind, restriction of any kind. Um, so that's, you know, that's a hard number that I can throw out yeah. based on statistics. Um, but in terms of the mental and emotional, right, like that number is based on the assumption that you are truly actively giving up restriction and dieting and really just letting yourself eat what you want. Like the reins are off, like truly allowing yourself to eat. And most people do not go straight into that, right? Like most people do the dance with letting go of dieting where they're like one foot in, one foot out, like slowly, right? Like they're most people are so terrified of, of weight gain, basically, that they are very, they, they kind of hang out in what I call like recovery purgatory, right? Where, you know, they're one foot in, I know that this doesn't work, I can't live this way anymore, I know that like dieting or hardcore restriction is just like not the answer, but I'm like really scared to actually just eat what I want and like let my body do its natural thing. And so I kind of do this like one foot in, one foot out of the, and that's most people, right? And so that purgatory period can prolong a lot of this process. Um, that doesn't necessarily make the purgatory part bad. Like, I think that for some people, that's just the reality of their story, right? Like you're coming up against a lot of emotional resistance. You're coming up against a ton of anxiety. There's a, again, a whole mental and emotional component of this. And it's for some people, that's just the reality too. of it. What? And coming up against like the culture too, right? Like you're doing, totally. this, you're going into your office and everyone's talking about diets. Like Totally, totally. Exactly. Like you're coming up against fear, right? Like you're coming up against scary things, real or unreal or combos or both or spectrum, right? It's all real to you, whether yeah. it's, you're, you know, and so it's, and, and, and a lot of times it is real, right? Like I think that there are people who, you know, I work with, you know, some actor, you know, professional actors on occasion and like, you know, the conversations I'm having with them are, you know, will I be able to play this role if I, you know, if I am in recovery, you know, like wow. these are real, these are real things. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so I would say, um, you know, the purgatory thing is really hard. It's definitely, you know, it, it, it sort of, it, depending on where you are in the purgatory, that's where it can really depend how yeah. long it takes for you to feel better. But arguably, that's also like the most important work is the work of facing all of those fears, right? Like that's when you're starting to get really into the roots and you can do that slowly. You can do that quickly, right? You can do that at all sorts of different paces, different strokes for different folks, yeah. you know, I think people, you know, the purgatory period can be really difficult and it can last different like amounts of time for different people, depending on, you know, how willing they are to face their fears, yeah. how committed they are to doing the work around facing the fear of waking, um, and food in general. Um, but also just what's their capacity for anxiety and how much anxiety are they facing? Do they have trauma? What's going on in their nervous system? There's just so that's where we really start to understand like, at, the, at its core, food issues are, are anxiety disorders, right? Like eating disorders are anxiety disorders, right? They are, they, you're gonna, if when you let go of restriction and you're gaining weight, you're going to come up against serious fear. Like all of your emotional shit is going to come up. And some of that will be because of actual real weight-based discrimination. And some of that will just be because 
that's just how you've managed your anxiety your whole life is through the pursuit of thinness. Um, or some combination of the two, <laughs> which is the case for most folks. Absolutely. And so, and so, yeah. So in terms of, yeah, I, I mean, again, I wish I could give you, I would say, again, it's this purgatory period makes things challenging in terms of like how long it's going to take to get through it. Yeah. But it's also like, you know, that's where you're really doing like the serious emotional work, you know, is, is moving through that period and really getting to a point where yeah. you can, you can manage your fear enough and become comfortable being who you really are, being yourself yes. in this culture. Yeah. Totally. And I think like a common thing that I hear from people, like, especially like new clients is like this feeling of like being stuck, like being like, am I yeah. doing it right? Like, what, am I just going to like keep yeah. eating this way forever, even though like I'm better than I was, but I'm like, I don't know. I feel like I'm not fully there. You know, like there's that feeling, yeah. like, which yeah. I, which is why I feel like having, you know, support can be really helpful. Like a program like yours, mm -hmm. like, um, yeah. or just like even just other people to connect with who are like trying to going through it. Yeah. Going through it as well. <laughs> yeah. It's a process. It's a real emotional, it's an emotional and physiological process. Um, and often, yeah, I would say some of the emotional stuff happens before we're even willing to do the physical recovery part. And then when we're willing to do the physical recovery part and we're actually like eating and, you know, all those things, then there's more emotional stuff that comes up because you're actually kind of like truly facing potentially weight gain or whatever, right? So there's, there's like so many phases to this um, totally. and it is sort of a, a, like a, it's, it's a, it's a journey, right? It's a true, it is, this is real deep spiritual work. Yeah, um, yes. <laughs> I love framing it that this way. Is, totally. This is not a joke. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and to this day, I will say, like, my deepest spiritual insights in my entire life have come through this process of recovering from eating disorder. Yeah, absolutely amazing. Mm -hmm. um, Isabel, thanks so so much for everything you shared. I feel like we fit like so much more content into a small period of time because we're both just like you know throwing everything out there. Especially you, you're <laughs> just getting it all out really quickly. Um, we did a great job. I'm I'm shocked. Usually I can't do it in 30 minutes. Usually it takes me an hour and a half. So yeah. <laughs> no, but like you packed so much in. That was awesome. We did. Um, we did. Yes. Can you please share with people like where they can find you? Any resources you have? All that stuff. Yeah. So, um, the primary resource for most folks is, uh, I have an online program called the stop fighting food masterclass, which is like where you can get like real, real deep on me. Um, but there's a ton of just like free resources also on my website, my blog, people love my blog. I haven't like changed much about it for years. It's a lot of like old original IFD content that people are really into. So I've like kind of kept that a sacred space. If you want to go there, check it out. It's isabelfoxandduke.com. There's also my video training series, which is like sort of an intro level, you know, Isabel's thoughts on all of this. It doesn't actually, I don't even actually talk about intuitive eating, interestingly enough, in the video training series. I talk more about these sort of thought shifts and understanding um, the diet binge cycle and understanding the differences between things like binge eating versus emotional eating, which we didn't even get into today, but that's a whole other rabbit hole that I like to go down. Um, so if, you know, if you're interested in these kinds of topics, um, definitely check out my video training series at stopfightingfood.com. That's again, like totally free, just like intro level video training series that kind of goes through my core concepts um, and kind of like major topics that have been relevant to, to my work. Um, and then again, if you're super into it and want to go even deeper, 
the master class is like the full body of work. <laughs> the master class is where Isabel Fox and Duke go, gets real deep. Um, <laughs> and yeah, and I'm starting to do, yeah, so that's, that's, well, that's what I would do. That's where I would start. Cool. Perfect. So awesome. And I feel like you're on Instagram and are you on the other social media? Not, I'm not big on social. Like I would say if you really want to be in touch with me, get on my email list, like awesome. sign up for the blog on my website or sign up for stopfightingfood.com. I like periodically go through phases where I'm active on Instagram, but it's definitely not a place to really learn what I do. Like I'm not good at memes. I'm much more <laughs> effective when I can speak in paragraphs or when I can talk on audio or something like that. So I try to keep it real. I try to keep it real with the blogs and the audio and the, that kind of medium. So um, I would say, you know, again, social media is probably not the best place to find me. If okay. you want to just be in touch, I would, again, go to isabelfoxandduke.com, sign up for my, um, like my email list, sign up for anything. Once you sign up for anything, you're just on the list. Um, okay. Or stop fighting food. I mean, stopfightingfood.com and get the, you know, sign up for the video series. That's yeah. probably, that's, that's, that's probably the best way to go. Awesome. Yeah. I hi have to say highly recommend your email list because I just love the way that you break things down. You have a really good way of doing it both out loud, but all like also your writing and you do it in a very condensed version. So highly recommend. Yes. <laughs> yeah. The blog, right. In audio, I tend to be really um, like lengthy and prolific, but with my blog posts, they tend to be like 10 neat sentences, right? Exactly. Like very easy to digest. So exactly. It's but it's like different powerful. version of me. Exactly. Oh, love it. Thank you again Thank you. so much, Isabel. My pleasure. So fun. All right, guys, that's a wrap on this episode of Intuitive Bites. I hope that you enjoyed the conversation I got to have with Isabel. Um, as she mentioned, she's not super active on Instagram, but you can find her um, at Isabel Fox and Duke or just go to her website, IsabelFoxandDuke.com. Um, she's got a video series, her program, lots of things that you can check out. And she also has an amazing blog and email list. So get on her email list because... Um, I always enjoy opening those. Um, and then, like I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, um, don't forget to register for the Body Image and Intuitive Eating webinar on January 6th. And you can get that $5 discount if you register by Christmas. Um, so just go to my Instagram and click on the link in my bio or go to my website, theintuitive-rd.com. Um, and then finally, if you feel like one-on-one -on -one coaching is where you're at right now and you need that support on your journey to kind of feel like, like a little bit more assured that you're, I don't know, that you're moving in the right direction or whatever. Um, and you just want that guidance. I'm offering that right now as well. So you can, again, just go to my website, theintuitive-rd.com and go to the work with me tab and you'll just submit a form and I'll reach out to you and we can schedule a time to chat a little bit more and see if we would be a good fit for working together. Um, yeah, that's all I have for you guys right now. So I hope you are having a great holiday. I hope that you're getting some time off or just some time with friends and family. Um, and either way, regardless of whether you are or not, I hope you're making some space to take care of yourself and just, yeah, do whatever you can to take some much needed rest. Um, I will be back really soon with another episode. Super excited to share the next one with you as well. Um, so keep your eye out for that one. All right, guys, talk to you soon.